Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? No, 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 Kate. My full name, Noel <laughs> Chill Blaine Kirkpatrick. <laughs> yeah. Chill Blaine. Chill Blaine? Chill Blaine. Listeners, I'm a week behind on The Flash, and apparently I missed some egregious naming. Yeah, so Chill, it's all one word, but it's Chill, and then B-L-A-I-N, Blaine. Yeah, that's bad. It's it's, it's Yeah, it's real bad. It's real yeah. bad. Yeah. The episode itself is not great as a whole. We're not discussing it this week, listeners, but... <laughs> The villain said his name, and I literally had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> At least it's some form of entertainment. It's like some, yes. it's something, you know, it's not maybe yeah. what they're going for, but we'll take it. Um, this week, there's a little bit of TV news, uh, mostly just a couple pickups. Bridgerton has been picked up for season three and four over at Netflix, surprising no so one. surprised! Yeah. No word on if they're gonna get their, uh, you know, season one lead back for a couple of cameos, but probably not. He's um, definitely not coming back. Ever. <laughs> then, uh, Warrior has gotten a season three over at HBO Max, which I'm sure is very exciting for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. and the other one is, which we're not talking about, but we should be talking about next week, um, is that Infinity Train season four just dropped on HBO Max as well. Um, yeah, HBO Max is really like, talk about up and comers as far as like the, the streamer, streamer to be watching, because I still have a season of Pottery Throwdown that I keep hearing wonderful things about. It's Apparently, really good. I really, really like it this season. Yeah. Is, is it hosted by one of the Dairy Girls? Yes, um, uh, Siobhan, um, I can't remember her last name. Yes. Um, yes, but yes, the woman who plays the main nun on Derek, the Sister Margaret or Derek whatever. Goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's the host and she's fantastic, as you would expect. Uh, very excited for that. So there's been some, some pickup news, but uh, we're going to... Sm- head swiftly on this week at the end of the show we're talking about call my agent season one which is a french comedy dramedy dramedy yeah it's mostly comedic there's some drama in there um yeah. that has uh four seasons but we're going to be talking about the first season um, and was just renewed for a fifth actually this week well there we go yeah, yeah. see there's a thematic all tying together uh that's coming at the end of the show um but for now let's take a break Listen to some music, and we'll be right back with our Week in TV. This week in TV, Noel's going to kick things off with The Way of the House Husband, season one, which is over on, on Netflix. Then we'll talk a little bit about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. This week we had Zoe's Extraordinary Mystery, but we'll also just kind of catch up with these last couple episodes. Uh, Drag Race had its penultimate competitive episode, anti-penultimate <laughs> episode, Getting Lucky. 
Then Queen Sugar has its penultimate episode in summertime to simply be. And I know already I'm not ready for the finale next week. Uh, But when I saw the next week on it, it was like next week in the finale. I was like, okay, that makes sense with some of these plot points. Yep. Uh, Talk about that in a little bit. Then Winona Earp had its series finale, Old Souls. Batwoman had time off for good behavior. Black Lightning had their backdoor pilot painkiller for the painkiller spinoff. And then the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had The Whole World is Watching. So first up is The Way of the House Husband. What is this? Yeah, so Way of the House Husband is an anime adaptation of a manga of the same name that deals with a infamous John Wick-esque Yakuza member who has left the life and has now dedicated himself to being a house husband to his salary salary girl salary woman wife who works at like a design firm um and the entire premise of the show is that he takes all aspects of being a house husband the cooking the cleaning um doing grocery shopping um making sure that he's posting on instagram all this stuff as seriously as he takes being a Yakuza. Um, So that's the juxtaposition is that he just does all of this stuff and has like his own code and all this stuff that just applies to being a house husband. He wears an apron everywhere, even (laughs) though he also still has like his Yakuza suit on underneath the apron. So it's a gag series. So each episode is actually divided up into like smaller vignettes. So there's like five to six like little vignettes within an episode. Um, it grows and builds on you. It's very short. It's like actually a total of like five to six episodes total. Um, but it does grow on you. I, there are parts that are just really, really, really funny. Um, some of the humor is really great. The way that the main character Tatsu um, sings happy birthday is the best thing I heard all week. <laughs> um, it's really ridiculous and very silly. Uh, the one thing I will say about it, however is that it is barely animated. It is more of a motion comic, which as opposed to a full-on animated thing. So there's a lot of panning. Um, when characters are animated, it's basically in a very limited, like kind of old-school anime way. So people walk and they're just missing a lot of in-between frames. So they move really weirdly compared to what we're used to. Um, most of the times their mouths are just the only thing that's animated in a scene. Um, and sometimes characters are just wildly off-model. Initially, for the first couple episodes, I hated the more motion comic approach they took, Um, but the style ended up kind of growing on me by the end, which I was really surprised by, because I was just like, how are there only five episodes of this when you saved all this money? (laughs) Um, But it actually ends up working, I think, and I was not as upset as I was with the lack of traditional animation or full animation by the end of the season. So... It's funny. It's silly. Um, It's a really quick binge at only like five or six episodes total. Um, So if you're looking for something really silly and that is easily transferable from if you don't understand anything about Yakuza's or Japanese culture, you understand gangsters. And it's basically this. You understand like American gangsters and just like uh, that. And that is enough to carry you through, I think. So I think that there's accessibility here. It's funny enough and it's a good way just to spend like a couple of hours if you're doing a lot of housework or invoicing because there are subs and dubs. There you go. That, that, that is, uh, it sounds very uh, delightful. Uh, the the setup and everything, it, it sounds like it would be very much my jam. Uh, it's just a matter of the, I'm, 
I, I'm a little leery as you were saying about the animation choice, but yeah, um, I, I have enjoyed other things that are more like motion comic-y. Like they did that thing with the Watchmen comic mm-hmm. that and yeah. I, and I enjoyed that. And that sounds like that might be similar in some ways. It's very similar. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll have to check that out because that is, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there in that premise, I think. So that's yes. fun. Um, our next show is always extraordinary playlist And I don't remember what we said at the start of the season about our over-under. I think we said, like, five episodes is what we were predicting. We did say five episodes, yes. For when they would get Zoe and Simon together. Instead, it was eight. Uh, This week, we have Zoe's Extraordinary Mystery. Um, What did did you think of this episode and of the decision to to go forward with the Simon uh, relationship and everything and, you know, where we leave things? Right. So, Kate, I had gotten over the fact that I was just like, Zoe powers don't make any sense. They don't make any reasonable sense. I don't understand how they work. And then we have this whole episode about basically her powers are also clairvoyant. And I'm just like, (laughs) what are we doing here? I had just gotten over this hump. I had forgotten this, that I was upset about it because by the end of the first season, I was like, no, this is too charming. Jane Levy is ridiculous. I'm fine. I'm on board. And then they do this episode. I'm just like, you sons of bitches. Why are you doing this to me? Um, So I was just like, this opens up a whole other can of problems for me. That being said, I really like the premise of Zoe's Extraordinary Mystery. Like, it allowed for a lot of folks to sing different kinds of songs, which I was really excited about. Like, watching Mary Steenburgen just do both sides of anything you can do, I can do better. Just gold. It's just gold. Um, and I also thought that their performance of one was really, really good as well, um, for the group number at Sparkpoint. I thought it was really great as well, but it was just, I just got tripped up in the, I just got over this. So yeah, um, as for the assignment of it all, I think it generally works pretty well. I mean, this is won't last because the show's built on too much of the back and forth between the two of them, which I'm already tired of. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I can't be too upset because they cast Katie Finley um, as well. And I love her. She's great. Uh, so I don't want her to be shuffled off, even though she's going to be, because she's obviously only here until the end of the season when everything blows up again. Mm. Um, but I think that there's still plenty of plenty here and I'm still really enjoying it, but I do have a really important question for you, Kate. Mm-hmm. What does the Fox say? <laughs> they actually have like, there, there are videos that you can watch. Um, but I thought that that was a really delightful way to go. I, I, I appreciated that they had the kids sing it. Uh, That's so good. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Amazing. Though I really wanted to hear the guy who plays Perry sing that song, but... (laughs) But, yeah. Uh, For me, the clairvoyant thing, uh, they almost get away with it except for Rosanna's song, Rose's song, because that's one that she could not have known about, that could not have been simmering in the background. Um, So if they had done that in... Like, if they had been able to put... Mo singing that later in the episode, then that could have worked because everything else, all the other songs people sing are things that are easily anticipated by Zoe and like part of what the relationships have been and the interactions have been for like a while, especially since we jump forward in time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, but like a few weeks. Yeah. The one with Rosanna, there's, like with the with the drinking and you know about her sobriety is not one that 
that that's straight up clairvoyant. So <laughs> there's this straight up time travel there. Uh, where we're not, just don't think, don't, don't overthink it. Don't think about it. Um, but, uh, it doesn't really matter as far as I'm concerned because Alice Lee so completely destroys the end of the episode and it's yes, so no, it's good ridiculous. that it doesn't matter. Uh, right. Yeah. It's like, like, because the payoff is so potent and I can't think of another time. Granted, I, there's a lot of the first season I still haven't seen. I can't think of another time that Zoe interrupts somebody while they're singing. Oh no, it doesn't happen. It very, it almost does. I, I can't think of another time that it's happened either. And it was just so potent. Yeah. And, and Levy nails that as well. Uh, like her, like how quick, cause like, you're wondering, like, her performance is great through that. To, and, and then the two of them together, where it's like, uh, Leah's just beaming with this joy and this, and, and Levy, uh, like, Zoe knows exactly what that means. Like, it doesn't have to, like, they, I was worried that they were going to do, like, this, like, dawning realization. Because, like, you're kind of, you know, anticipating something like that has to come up at some point, you know. Um, and so... You're like, oh, are they going to do like a dawning realization? Wait, that means instead, no, she just immediately knows what that means um, and knows the severity of it. And that's really, it was really effective. Uh, and then the, 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 that moment of connection allows the powers to like realign so that Lee can then pivot into mm-hmm. the dramatic moment. Which so is like, she's that. like, it's Miami episode, guys. It's my... Give me, give me Miami episode. That do I think she's gonna get anything for it? No, because no. it's a musical. People never get you know nominated for musicals unless they are the lead, and it's the Golden Globes. Yes. So, um, yeah, but but I, but it was I thought it was just really really well done. I liked the range of things that they did, and I liked that the episode required them to, them to have like twice as many songs as they normally do. <laughs> yes, which was really really nice. Yeah, I mean they were all short, but they were they were super fun. I also really dug the group number. At work, I also really dug Steve. Like, I the um anything you can do, I can do better. Comes up a surprising amount for me because as a teacher, like it's just such a great starting point yes. of of like okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do anything you can play. I can play louder, <laughs> and they're, they're like, mm-hmm. what? I'm like, okay, so there's a show. It's called Annie Get Your Gun. There's a song that goes like this, and they're like, and like, can I could just be like. Not use the reference, but I'm me. I'm a nerd. I'm a musical theater nerd. No, you should absolutely use that reference. I need to teach the children, literally. Um, Exactly. And that song slaps. It's a great song. (laughs) It's a fantastic song. Um, Anyways, so I thought it was just a delightful um, choice and well done. I like the medium or the um, uh, intuitor or whatever she she goes with. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought thought she was going to be the one. Who needed, uh, who was yeah. going to do the song because she kept, because of her language when she was talking like about being dismissed, about not being believed, about being taken yes. for granted and everything. And so then I was, uh, I was a little surprised as well um, when they, when it was Emily, but, uh, and you know, just, it would be nice to have a show not put their recent mother through postpartum depression it's a it's a very popular well because it's so potent um yeah i i don't want every character to just have to be blissfully happy or tired of like there there's only so many storylines that those characters tend to get 
Um, mm-hmm. And of the various storylines, this is the one with the most meat on the bone, you know, for the actor. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's mostly because I, I like Emily. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I want her to be okay. Um, but, it, you know, hopefully this will give them some more, uh, you know, more weight and more things that they can do with that corner of the show. Besides, I'm in a band now. I'm not in a band now. <laughs> I thought the song was about Ginger. <laughs> um, anyways. Oh, boy. That realization that the song was about Zoe just... Like, as he's singing the lyric, oh, it's delightful. It was so funny. I'm going to stop singing now. Okay, I'm going to come in for this part because it's fine. I'm going to stop singing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the stuff with Simon, uh, I think that they do not earn her reticence to tell him because they have not... I think it make it makes sense if it isn't somebody that she's had this now at this point pretty lengthy relationship with like as a friend as well as now they've been dating for several weeks and they've been doing like the will they won't they for a while kind of thing i think he's established himself he's been very vulnerable with her and uh he's been very open with her about stuff too so to have her i mean it's basically them saying no they're not otp (laughs) um yes it is and and of course don't think I don't notice that she's still wearing that ring the whole time. Cause of course she's still mm-hmm. wearing that ring the whole time. So it's like, you know, they have their clear OTP that they are committed to, but I appreciate that they're giving a solid go to the relationship. Um, and I, I, I hope that they explore a little bit of the, like they're doing the whole, Hey, we're being mature about, uh, you know, our complicated relationship and and friends to to more to back to friends thing um but i hope they do explore a little bit of i think there's some subtext of uh not of advising her not to tell simon because then that also means that she trusts him more than simon you know kind of a Mm -hmm. thing like there's some not even necessarily intentional or malevolent like this is not a xander situation but um there's for me there's some subtext of that in there as well that it would be yeah neat to play with i don't know if they will and i also think it's very legit to have her be like well i tried telling my boyfriend about this and it wasn't it led to a lot of problems in the relationship and the the idea that well yeah because it was never our relationship could never be equal after that it's like it's still not equal simon just doesn't know (laughs) that's that's the difference so um yeah We'll see what happens. I, I'm I'm interested. I'm on board. Great. Yeah, no, I am too. Um, and everything you just said regarding Simon, I think, is spot on. So I don't have anything to add to it. Yeah. Um, what does the fox say was absolutely delightful. Uh, what a committed performance. It's terrific. So good. Like, it's just so good. <laughs> they're giving him, they're giving that actor banger songs this season. Yes, which is good. Uh, yeah, there and I also really like, we didn't talk about it last night, but I really liked the um I don't even remember what it was. I I thought some of the the set pieces in the previous episode were also really nice. I like the stuff they've been giving Mo. Um uh of course Newell crushes it every time, but um yeah, it was good. I, like, you know, my little, you know, 90s early aughts heart, of course, appreciated the sixpence on the richer richer um uh, sequence and everything. Oh, so good. Very good. Um, and yes, I ship the sparring coders, of course. Um, it's hard not to. 
They just, you know. they want you to, so. Yeah, they're, they're, they're earning it. Um, next yeah. up is Drag Race and Getting Lucky. And after the previous episode, which I was like, why, why is this happening? I mean, I'm, I'm bored because I like all the queens and everything, but like, can we just fast forward? I thought that they pretty much earned this episode uh, because I, for me, the song really worked. I really liked the song. Apparently that's a mixed bag for people. I thought it was really catchy and one of Rue's best songs in, in a, quite a while. It's been stuck in, in my head since I watched it the first time. And so because all of the queens did a good job over the course of the episode, it, some level of a good job, they all delivered in the video, if not in their verse. Um, and they all did well on the runway. I think they are not equal on the runway, but each of them delivered one of their best looks on the runway. Um, I was okay with this episode kind of just being like a, we, we like these queens. Here's why each of them could win. (laughs) Um, and, and having, I mean, I assume that the reason Candy is going through is because she did a good job in the challenge. I don't think they could eliminate her for this challenge. Um, but also because they need four queens for the format of their finale. And if they, mm. if the format of the their finale worked better with three, I think we would have a top three. But I think they're they're doing the you know rumor is they're doing the lip sync format again of like two lip sync, two lip sync, and then the winners lip sync. Um, okay. And so therefore you need four. So um, you know we'll see. I I, do, I have not seen screener. I have not seen the reunion or any of that stuff. But uh, I but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. I thought it was another really strong episode. It's been a little up and down recently, but for me, this one really came together. What did you think of of the episode? And what did you think of Lucky the song? The song's fine. Um, it has not been stuck in my head. I immediately forgot about it. <laughs> um, so, but I agree with you. I think that everyone did a really good job in terms of their individual performances. Um, I think it helps the song in and of itself is actually really catered well to all four of them, which is not always the case with whatever song Rue's got. But each of them, the song, I think, works worked for each of them. And that made a huge difference in everyone's overall performance. I will say that I was just a tiny bit disappointed that the background dancers all had the fa- fencing mask face mm-hmm. coverings because I thought that was just going to be a mick background dancer thing because that would have fit with like mixed whole aesthetic yeah and but then they all had the beekeeper fencing mask thing on and i just went oh this doesn't make sense in anyone else's background but fine whatever (laughs) um as for like everyone's runway looks i think generally looked really really good um i did not care for the lip sync for your life sequence at the end um, because it was edited to hell and there was no way to know who was doing a good job and who wasn't, um, which was a big indicator that they weren't going to eliminate. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this isn't actually a competition. And all these reaction shots could be from anyone's performance. So no one's going home. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's better. For me, it was better than if they had all lip synced together. Um, sure. Because yeah. the dry race is not good at more than two people lip sync. Like, I think there's, there's been it's like barely one... good at two people lip syncing. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> oh yeah. That's very true. I think there's been maybe one decent three person or more lip sync, like in the run of the show that I can think of. Um, usually they're bad. And so this was for me, if you're going to have all four lip sync, this is the way to do it. But 
you know, they could have also had two and two, and then they could at least interact with someone. But then you get questions of like, who do they pair up? And like, so, you know, uh, if they're going to do that, I think this works, but absolutely you're right there. It, it's like, it's cut all to hell. Like it, it, I think it, it's a fun sequence, but not if your goal is to try to see who's going to do the best. Cause yes. it's like, you could cut around a lot. And that's the only reason why I think that like, based on this episode, if this was the finale, Mick wins. Yes. Um, if this is the finale, uh, and like, I don't even know if Simone is second cause Simone slayed the runway, but I her verse, I didn't think her verse was very good. I, I got serious Kimura vibes, uh, like from the house of hall, we're just going to like hold words extra long and fill time. Um, but her performance I thought was really good. It's just, you know, she's not a, she's not a writer like some of the other Queens are, uh, for this mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but the, the, I, that was my favorite runway look and everybody, I thought everybody really crushed their interviews as well. The interviews were all fantastic. Like that's the best time I've had with an interview segment, interview segment on this show ever. They were all really great. They were not equal. Like, Rude clearly is like, hi, Mick. Hi, Simone. You're going to win. <laughs> and Candy, you're delightful. And Rosé, thank you for participating. But Rosé was, I thought, did a really good job for his part of it. But just like, when you're watching it, literally, Rue says, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> like, yeah. that's rough. <laughs> Whereas he's like, you're... You're a star and you're hilarious and like, you know, for the others, uh, which is just oh, poor, poor Rosé. You don't got a shot. Um, but hey, you can come back. No, it's sad, but I really like Rosé's work. But yeah, no, Rosé is not going to win. <laughs> no, no. But but then they can come back for All Stars. So, you know, there's that. And then not win again. And then <laughs> not win again, probably. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Rosé only having done drag for three years before this is really impressive because like... All that theater background, man, makes a huge difference. Theater kid, yeah. If if um, if um they wait a couple years or at least a year to, to come back for All-Stars, I think they could crush... Which they crush, won't. Which they won't. But I think it would be wise for them to do so because I don't think Rosé will do great in All-Stars without stepping up her makeup game. Yes, that is accurate. Yeah. Uh, like the and and the looks somewhat as well. The looks aren't bad, but I don't think they're gonna stand out in all stars. And so, but with a bit more time and work, like really honing some of the makeup, I think that uh, and and some of the looks and proportions and things, I think that Rose could do really well in all stars. So we'll you know we'll see. But any any other thoughts on 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 this episode on our our various you know our our banter and the rosé as uh, <laughs> unseasoned chicken? <laughs> that was that was deeply funny. Um, but no no other thoughts. Um, I'm I'm not super excited about the reunion episode, but I, I'm never excited about the reunion episode. Mm-hmm. So. I'm ready for the finale. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the finale as well. The other thing I did want to mention is, like, this episode really did feel like Mick's winning. Except Mick is not great at lip syncing uh, compared to the others. And Simone crushed that lip sync. Yes. And also, like, because I was watching this going, like, oh, are they reconfiguring Simone's win condition? Have they mm-hmm. Are they redefining Simone's win condition as Simone can now say that he loves himself? 
And like that has been so powerful and potent to see. And like, I, it feels very, very genuine. And Simone is an actor, like a pretty decent actor, but doing that, like kind of Jennifer Lewis inspired type of thing <laughs> that, he, that she's been doing and all the acting challenges, not the kind of stuff we've been seeing in the confessionals. Um, so if that, it, it reads is very authentic. It's been very moving. Um, so based on its ellipsing finale, I feel like this has got to go to Simone, maybe uh-huh. Rosé. Um, if the, like, based on the narrative they've been building and who the show likes, I feel like it's Simone or Mick. If you had to pick right now, who do you think it's going to be? Probably Simone. Um, I'm rooting for Mick, but it's probably Simone. Yeah. Well, and also Mick being like, I'll just, I'll just live here. I'll just stay. He's like, yeah. I bring me back for all stars. I'm ready to do more, <laughs> you know, is, yeah, that, that also works. Um, okay. Well, let's, you know, we'll see, we'll see if we talk about it next week with the reunion. I am looking forward to Tamisha headed back and some of the other people. Um, but for now, let's head on to our next segment, which is uh, drama with Queen Sugar and in summertime to, in summertime to simply be, um, we get some movement because Noel is a little, it uh, hasn't seen this one yet, listeners. So I'm going to just kind of keep it vague. There's some more stuff with the blue stuff. There's some more stuff with, uh, there's a lot of stuff with Charlie um, and Davis, um, which is, I think, really well played and handled, you know, it's interesting. Um, the, I really like what how they handle the stuff with Blue as well. Because um, okay. Blue finds the letter about the school. So then that oh, leads to... Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, not telling him about that is not good. He's not going to be happy about that. Well, it's not so much that. It's just, just like, then it, that involves him in the conversation. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff that comes down from that. Interesting. Um, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And then there is... Uh, <laughs> there's some There's some Nova stuff. Uh, at the well, very end, yeah. so there's, there's, yeah, and I, and that's why I was like next weekend. The finale is like, okay, that follows. The, yep, okay, we'll see. got it. I will, I will make sure to leave emotional bandwidth to watch Queen Sugar. Yeah, next week. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. So more on that next week. Um, Winona Earp had its finale, Old Souls, and this was absolutely delightful. What a lovely way to do a finale. Basically, they wrapped up all the plot stuff in the previous episode. And this was just the mm-hmm. way hot wedding. That's what they did. Okay. And they had a wacky hijink haunted wedding dress as like, Oh, the, fun. Yeah. As like, that's just like, you know, another day and like, even the wedding, right. has some of, and so then they, then they, it was all about some of the emotional stuff. There's, there's a lot of Winona doc stuff. There's Winona and Waverly stuff. There's, uh, you know, they, they do a very small, uh, wedding at the the homestead with literally just like four or five people. Um, but it's it's it feels very one on herb, especially if while well, filming during COVID kind of thing. Yeah, no, I was like, first of all, no one lives in that town. Second, COVID. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think they they pretty much nailed that. Uh, I I liked like there's a couple moments that I was like, oh, this I don't think you sold this, but it's fun, so let's go along with it kind of thing. Um, but there's it had all the things that I needed from the finale. Uh, it had a tangential mention of Alice, which was essential. Um, it, but without, because they haven't mentioned the baby since they wrote the baby off. So <gasps> they haven't. Whoa. No. No. Well, because the baby is being watched by someone they trust, 
uh, and protected away from the Ghost River Triangle because the you know because yeah. for reasons. But then the, because they haven't mentioned the baby specifically, they don't want to have to explain all of that stuff to new viewers, right? You know, so that's fair. Yeah, like they, I thought they handled that pretty well. And Aww, uh, the baby's the. The baby's the Adam Winchester. <laughs> um, and then, um, well, no, because they didn't even, did they even mention Adam? I don't think, I don't, I didn't watch the finale for that one, but. I have to imagine that they did not, but yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Um, well, listeners, you may know. You can let us know. Uh, but yeah, I, I was really charmed by this finale. I thought it was a very nice way to, to send out the show. Very fitting for the show. And I think more series would benefit from taking this approach. To the finale of treating it as an emotional finale, but like like for the emotional through lines of the characters, but much more as a coda or a denouement. Um, and sure. this, as opposed to like all the action beats need to happen, the plot needs to happen. So the plot, they took care of that previously. Now they can just focus all of their time on giving a fitting tonal send off to the show. So there is hijinks, there is action, there's other stuff, but it's within the theme of the emotional resonance of the journey these characters have gone on. And I thought that that was a, a smart way to go. Uh, I, I, you know, the show never really uh, reached the levels that I was hoping for for it. I feel like it never, like it, it, it hinted at potential in its second season that it did not ultimately meet and, and, but that's because I think the show had other priorities instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, sure. Which is perfectly fine. It just means it's less of a Kate show than it is a it's incredibly devoted fan base <laughs> show. Yeah. So, like, clearly this is a show that works really well for a large chunk of people. Um, yes. And the fact that I would prefer a slightly different show does not mean that that is the right show. Um, so I thought this was a nice finale, uh, even if the the last season i would have liked more of that season two gravitas um but that's okay good job winona erp terrific finale and you know as i saw plenty of people talking about shows don't bury your gaze marry your gaze if that's what they want if that's what the character would be appropriate would feel appropriate for the character um next is batwoman and time off for good behavior speaking of burying your gaze she's not dead yet uh, but it can't be good that we've got, uh, don't remember her name, Ryan's girlfriend? Starts with an A, I think, but I don't remember. Taken by Black, Black Mask? I still don't care about Black Mask. Are, are we not supposed to know it's the guy who's, you know, doping up or, you know, feeding drugs to, uh, the, you know, the, to dad, to the head of the crows? Or right. are we supposed to know that? Because it's obviously him. Well, I mean, I know it's him because his name is Cyanus, and that's the name of Black Mask. So it's just like, it's that guy, everyone. Yeah. It's that guy. Um, but he's also, like, shady as fuck. So <laughs> it's very clearly that guy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that's that. Is like, and she's, she's not dead because she's the only one that knows how to make the drug. Mm-hmm. So she, she can't, can't be, be dead. dead. Yeah. Angelique. 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 Can't be dead. Thank you. Yes. She's the only one who knows, knows how to make the drug now because snake bite. Yeah. yeah. I thought that that was a creative way to sell what snake bite is and to visualize yes. it. 
Yeah, no, I like the double injector because I was like, why the hell is this called snake bite? And I was just like, oh, there's a double injector. That makes sense. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that corner of it or how's the everything with Angelique and, and Ryan and all that working for you? It's fine. Um, I don't really like how Angelique's kind of ping-ponging around. She's kind of, her mentality and character is basically whatever the episode needs her to be, which I don't love. Um, so I'm hoping for a little more consistency going forward from her. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling about that particular corner of the show. Um, what I am, what I did want to call out of this episode, however, was that it took 10 episodes, but we finally got an episode that felt like a Ryan Wilder Batwoman episode. And that was so great and so refreshing. The plot of the episode of a private prison CEO destroying community centers and this kind of a thing so that he can keep a churn of at-risk, particularly at-risk young people coming into the prison so he can keep getting a per-head pay payday was just really good and really maniacal and comic booky and his whole deal is super comic booky, but in all the good ways. But it also ties into Ryan's whole things about being really tied into this particular subset of the community. And after just so much nonsense of a hidden island and a big poison and a flower and a conspiracy, it was nice to have an episode that felt like it said something about who Ryan believes Batwoman is and where her values come from. Um, so it was really nice to have that. And even if the plot was maybe not the most compelling, like it's a big lightning gun, who cares? Mm-hmm. But also it was just good for them to have kind of a solid core for an episode that wasn't about Kate. And I yeah. was so happy about that. How did that stuff play for you? Well, I don't miss Kate at all. I'm not looking for. We don't need Kate. You know, they've, mm-hmm. we've gotten to the point where they. Well, don't listeners, need Kate. I need Kate, but not this Kate. I, I need this Kate. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no, the, like Kate Kane. Um, the search for Kate Kane and everything has not been has been like yes, Bad. a driving part of it, and the loss of Kate Kane has been a really, I think, helpful part for motivating some of the stuff with Mary with with uh luke with like some of these other characters but like she's actually alive and you know all this like did really didn't need it and i i would like to think that we're going to get more episodes like this and like specifically our a plot like you said the ryan is batwoman what is the show kind of plot with kate still there and i don't think that's gonna happen um so you know we'll see we'll see how long they wait before they you know have Maybe Angelique is going to find Kate, stumble across Kate or something. Um, yeah, Being maybe. taken by Black That would make Mask. sense. But, um, you know, that'll come up before too long. We're already on episode 10 of this, what I assume is a COVID-shortened season. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But I thought it was solid. I really, I just, I really don't care about the crows. I like Sophie. I, I, she's, I, like I, assume Sophie she's, okay. I assume she's running for, going to run for police commissioner or whatever, since the other commish was uh uh gunned down and now that's a vacancy and they made a point of mentioning that it's an elected position Um, yeah that would make sense no that totally tracks oh that does make sense that's a good call out yeah and then they can do like the because you know she can reform the crows and then you know that kind of a thing or reform the cops or i don't know yeah but exactly We'll see. Uh, next up is Black Lightning. We had Painkiller. And this I thought was fine. Uh, I, they 
it's very backdoor piloty. Some of it works for me, some of it didn't. The stuff mm-hmm. I just don't care about painkiller. Don't care yeah. that much about Khalil. Um, I liked the stuff with Grace and Anissa. I liked that it was a very them. Like that's that was like their those were the bridging characters. They're off on their honeymoon. And that's how we'd get into this episode. I was wondering how they were doing this, and that makes sense. There's breadcrumbs for what the new show would be. They've, you know, got their fancy lab set up and some clunky dialogue explaining how they funded it and, and everything. And <laughs> um, I mean the lead is very is very good. He's very charismatic and and works well in in that role and does does well with the dueling you know there's a lot of him talking to himself as painkiller versus khalil uh some of the other characters they've set up are interesting some of them are not um but it's still like for me i'm still like where's the uh canaries right the that's the one green arrow and the canaries green arrow and the canaries was definitely the stronger backdoor pilot for me um like it's Mm -hmm. not close and that still, I guess, is, I assume that's dead. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely dead. Which is too bad because be. that would actually, I would set up an appointment. I would subscribe immediately to that one. And this would be like, well, I mean, Black Lightning's gone. Okay. I, okay. We can do this. It's sort of how I feel about, about Painkiller. Yeah, no, it was confirmed as dead on January, actually. Oh, that's too bad. I don't get, I don't get. The CW not picking up the actually good and promising backdoor pilots they make, like that one and like Wayward Daughters, and instead like pick like almost going through with the bad ones, uh, like the previous Supernatural's uh, backdoor pilot spinoff of like what was it Bloodlines or something like that? I, yeah, and, it was uh, Bloodlines. Yeah, yeah, and and some of these other, like yeah, Painkiller. I hopefully will do well. Hopefully it'll you know. You know, there, there's some interesting things that they introduced, but like, I think for me, it's just the fact that of the various characters that could have a Black Lightning spinoff, Painkiller and Khalil is the least interesting. So anyways, that's where what I'm at with the that. the cheapest? <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> Our last episode here is Fal- The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The whole world is watching, aka, hey, isn't Wyatt Russell really good? Um, and apparently there's a subset of Twitter that was like, hell yeah, about this, about him in this. It's like, you guys watching the show? Because that's not good. The yeah. blood on the shield is supposed to be really bad. And the show is not light-handed with that. No, like, it is not. It's a very deliberate Tony's the hero of the Sopranos misread of <laughs> what is blatant text. Uh, what, what did you think of our episode here? Um, I think that this show is a hot plastic mess. Um, (laughs) I think that as much as I think Wyatt Russell is really great in this episode, I also think that John Walker has absolutely no character arc whatsoever. And it's a major problem when he goes from being this kind of arrogant but seemingly insecure guy at his old high school to, I'm going to fuck some people up. And it's like... Where did this come from? And there's hints of it of like, he talks about how I have medals for things that maybe I don't really deserve the medals for because we did some shit. Um, But it doesn't feed into like the obvious darkness that the serum brings out in him. And Russell does a really great job of selling it, I think. However, the writing does not. And it makes for just a really rushed, flat experience. Because like this week's the penultimate episode of the show. 
Um, because there's only two more left. Um, this week's and then the finale is the week, the following week. And I'm kind of like, what are we doing exactly? And that's been like, that really, I think, came into focus with this episode with Walker's whole descent into villainy. Um, the discussion of morality between the Flag Smashers and like Sam and Bucky and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't understand what we're doing really. And so as much as I like, 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 I think the action sequences in this episode are really, really good. I like watching Zemo just navigate his way around everyone because that's really compelling stuff. But I think that the main thrust of the show has just gotten weirdly lost um, and it just lacks a perspective, which is something we had been talking about a little bit. But for me, it just really came home to roost in this episode. Yeah, this is not a uh, the show that they are trying to have this be is not a six episode miniseries. And so it's very strange to watch it try to be wacky case of the week, you know, adventure in whatever the island place was that they were at in the last episode and then also this like serialized um you know there's we're gonna lose the family houseboat and uh lingering trauma over you know having you know connected with this person who he killed the son of you know as as bucky did as winter soldier um the like you can do that or you can do a very discrete specific narrative about walker with because because that feels much more like that's what they're interested in doing because also our leads have not had an arc either yes (laughs) they have not changed in any way um so it just feels like filler it feels like so much filler and like they wanted to do a movie but they had not enough and too much. Yes. And so they decided to do this instead. But they, or did, they like, felt like a movie wouldn't have the draw. Carry. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's disappointing. But I mean, I'm not particularly surprised based on the, the lack. Like, I, there was some stuff in the pilot that I was like, okay, there could be something here. And then they immediately dropped it in the next episode. <laughs> For more like Bucky and and Sam bicker about you shouldn't have given up the shield and we should take the shield and the shield, um, and I just like can I just watch Agents of Shield? That would be you can. I mean, it's available <laughs> version of what they seem to be trying to do here. Um, so yeah, it's and again, it's for it's not for me necessarily this, the the characters they've established previously. It's not the performances. It's what they're choosing to do with them and how they are using them. Um, So, yeah, I'm ready for this one to be done. I'm not that excited about Loki either, just because I don't care about Loki. Everybody else seems to really love Loki um, and Hiddleston's performance. And, I mean, he's having fun and all, but, like, yes, I've never never been all that compelled by that character. So I will check it out, but, I, you know... It's nowhere near as exciting as the stuff we were getting with WandaVision, even though that never, again, blossomed into the kind of show that we are interested in doing, which is not the kind of show Disney Plus is interested in doing. Yeah. And I agree with you about Loki. Like, I really like Tom Hiddleston's performance. I think that character is interesting, depending on, like, the movie he's in. Um, And also, really, and this also needs to be stated, who's writing him is also really, really important. Um, to how that character functions. Um, But I think the time travel aspect gives up 
a number of different number of good elements, but I'm also just gonna be like, kids, if you're gonna do a time travel show, then you gotta like, there's Legends of Tomorrow like right here, and I'm just gonna measure you by that stick. And it's gonna be airing at the same time, so yeah. And I'm just, it's just, just, it's probably not gonna go well for you unless Legends of Tomorrow has just a bad season, which they haven't really had one in a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, They don't always like fire on all cylinders, but. Yeah, but no. So they know what I'm, they're doing over there. I'm not super looking forward to watching like the last two episodes of Falcon Winter Soldier, which makes me glad that like Infinity Train came back this week, so my partner and I can watch it on Friday evenings mm-hmm. while we eat our takeout. Uh, we'll probably still watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we'll probably watch Infinity Train first. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good call. Yeah. Um. Well, what when your weekend TV? Well, I do want to shout out Bob's Burgers this week, uh, which had a really fun episode in which tina does like a whole noir narration about being a hall monitor and stumbling onto a underground finger dancing circuit which is Mm. really funny and gets sucked into it it's a very very funny episode and i had a ball with it um but for me i i think it was zoe's extraordinary playlist i had a lot of fun with extraordinary mystery it hit a lot of really good beats the songs were good and the emotional catharsis of the end is cannot be denied so uh zoe's for me wins this week uh what about you uh, I'll give it to uh, the Winona Earp finale since it's okay. the finale and it's my last opportunity. But shout out to Queen Sugar as well, and because uh, it was another another strong episode. And uh, the Zoe's extraordinary playlist was a, was a very potent episode in, as well. So it was for me. It was very much a hot and cold episode. Like I, I also really enjoyed Top Chef Portland where they did coffee and beer, and there was some fun stuff there, some surprises. But like it's like I was like looking at my things of, that I had to watch. I was like. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do Supergirl and the Flash right now because, like, some of these other ones are rough. I made a very conscious decision not to watch Supergirl this week, which is not a great sign for continuing to watch Supergirl this season. Yeah, I'm sure I will get caught up, but it's just like I have things I work I need to be doing and, and other things I need to watch, and I have call my agent to watch, so I will watch that. I will watch the French dramedy that i can't work while watching before yeah. i get the work i need to do done while half watching supergirl because that's how dumb some of the choices have been on supergirl this season um but that's a rather like da- low-key way to end which is supposed to be a congratulations went on herp end of the segment so congratulations went on herp and yay queen sugar and yay zoe's and uh yeah let's now take a break listen to a trailer uh or maybe the theme song and come back with our our season spotlight on season one of call my agent That was the theme song for Call My Agent, which is a French series that is available streaming on Netflix. There are four seasons, but we're just going to be focusing on season one for this segment. Um, now, this is one that you brought to my attention, Noel. What made you want to talk about this show, and, and what is the show? 
Yeah, so actually, uh, one of my coworkers who previously worked in the entertainment industry uh, had mentioned it during a conversation we were having, and I hadn't heard of it, so I was just like, oh, well, this, let's see. And I like the premise of an idea of like a, what it is, is that it deals with a French talent agency. Um, they mostly handle um, actors, though I think there's some implications that they do occasional directors and writers, but it's almost entirely actors. And so it's about the trials and tribulations of this relatively small talent agency called Ask, which is named for the founder of uh, Samuel Kerr. So it's agency Samuel Kerr within the French, the agency part comes first. Um, and the basic premise is, is that Samuel Kerr actually dies at the end of the first episode, which throws the entire agency into a little bit of a tumult. And as the other four like partners or the main agents who um, there's Andrea, there's Matthias and then there's Gabriel and Orlette and Orlette's like the old school type of agent. Um, And how they navigate working with a particular client in each episode. Um, Each client is an actual French actor um, or an actor who works heavily in France. Um, Like season two has like Christopher Lambert, Um, which is a plot point in season one, actually. But so a number of actors come in, play versions of themselves as these agents' client. And that's basically the premise of the show on top of a number of various intrigues that are happening at the firm itself as a result of either the founder's death or in the main case of Camille, who's our entry point character, who is the um, illegitimate secret daughter of Matthias. This, okay. This was perfectly fine. It is indeed perfectly fine. I enjoyed it, but I can't say that, and I will, you know, I don't know that I will go back and watch a season two. Just because there's other things. I still haven't watched four, season four of Pottery Throwdown. And I got to watch that. Yeah. No, and that's more it. important than that. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, like the performances are all good. The writing, uh, the writing I think is good. It's. I am invested enough in the characters. Um, it's just not distinct from other things I've seen. And it's. It's pretty much exactly what you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, which is perfectly fine. It does, not everything needs to be shocking and surprising and twist and turn and all this stuff. But I, I just is perfectly pleasant with some nice performances, and it's very possible that there's other stuff going on here that I'm not catching up, like that I'm not picking up on, not being familiar with the French scene right with, yeah. with french actors and all that stuff i thought that the people they bring in as their clients of the week did a lot of really fun stuff and if i had pre-existing relationships with those performers that could have really elevated some of it for me um but mostly I, it didn't feel all that specific it didn't feel all that nuanced or like this has to be a french or parisian specific like in paris right uh talent agency it felt very similar to other similar to other shows that I have seen in this vein. It's just like it's curb, but not so wacky. And it's, uh, it's just more straight laced than some of the other versions of this that I've seen. And so 
I, I tire of something like Curb more quickly than I would of this. And I, you know, I like the characters, but, um, I, I wanted more from it, I guess. And so I'm going to attack what you said from two different, two different things. I also wanted more from it. Um, because I think that this first season, which was released in 2015, so like six years ago now, um, is like you said, it's fine. It's good. Um, and there's not a whole lot to like grab you. And I think like it builds particularly like by episode, especially like around episode four, which gets you into the, like the back half of the show's run, Mm -hmm. um, the season's run. I think it actually finds a really solid gear of enough of the things are in place on a character level of Matthias is like really kind of starting to suffer under the secret of keeping Camille away from his son who they inadvertently start dating um which is great like handled very very well yeah yeah no it's really good actually um and i really like the chemistry between the uh between um fanny sydney who plays camille as well as whomever plays matthias's um son uh francois civil um and i think that they have a really fun chemistry that then gets paid off really nicely in the finale of the season um, and then just all the other stuff of there's an up and down with the receptionist, uh, Sophia, who's played by Steffi, uh, Samel and, um, navigate, there's a little bit of her getting frustrated with some of the roles she starts getting after, um, the kind of schlubby agent Gabriel agrees to, um, represent her. Um, so there's all this kind of stuff, but your point, I think about, it doesn't feel really distinct. I think it's really, really important for two reasons. One, you're absolutely correct. It doesn't feel distinct in any way, shape, or form from anything. Um, and I do agree with you that there are almost certainly places that we're losing something because we're not French. And for even and even in my case, whereas like I kind of recognize a couple of these actors from having watched like a couple of different things, like Joey Starr, who's in episode five, I think I've seen in a couple of things. Audrey Florette, who's in episode four, I think I've seen in like two things. Um, but for the most part, I don't know who most of these actors are. There's a number of much bigger name actors going forward, like Juliette Binoche shows up in season two. Um, Jean, Jean Dargen, who was in The Artist, shows up in season three. Monica Bellucci shows up in season three as well. So they get bigger names. Sigourney Weaver's in season four. Nice. Um, which I'm just like, I'm just going to watch that episode with no context. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I love her. But all that sort of stuff, I think, may be like a barrier. But here's the really important thing I think about this show is that it very much feels tailor-made to be exported as a format to other countries. And I think that's kind of fall results in the show not feeling distinct because it feels generic enough that you could put it into England, you could put it into Los Angeles, you could put it into Hong Kong. New York, you could do, yeah. You could do it in New York. You could do any number of things without having to actually change anything. Like, um, Matthias the main agent of who's the father of um, Camille, who's our, um, whatchamacallit, our entry point, our audience surrogate character came about as a result of a, was 
conceived during a dalliance over at Cannes. So it's just as easy to like imagine that an agent goes to Sundance, has a dalliance, the kid stays in Colorado, the Matthias character goes back to New York or Los Angeles, and then that character comes looking for him, which is what happens here. And so there's enough of these kind of very broad things that you can just do this in any other country, and all of it still works. And I kind of feel like that's what they were hoping would happen, <laughs> but did not, because um, it's on. It was. It wasn't actually supposed to get picked up anything um, after its fourth season, and then they announced that just this week. But not only is it getting a fifth season, but there's an any minute movie coming out of it as well. Um, that Netflix money, man. That Netflix money. Even though this originally aired on uh, France too, um, in in France. So I think that's kind of where it is. Is like the lack of distinction. I think is supposed to be industrially speaking a selling point because the barrier for getting into it is I think relatively low. Oh, even yeah. if you don't know who these actors are. No, I definitely agree. Because like, and I'm definitely damning this with faint praise. It's a better show than it sounds like I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and I would agree with that as well. We're really kind of like focusing in on like the flaws, but I think there's, there's there is some really good acting in here as well. Yeah, like I'm invested in the the agents. I'm invested in the um, the assistants. I mean, they're all types you've seen before, but yeah. they're doing them oh. well. Yeah, poor um, Nomi. Yeah, poor Nomi. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the it's it's. But it's all again. It's all things you've seen before. It's the yes. Devil Wears Prada. It's uh, you know the uh, it you've seen Entourage. Yeah, you know, like the, it's like the the talent agency parts of other shows where you're following the actor, right? Um, and down to like the assistant who's like the the kind of gawky, uh, non-threatening one and the overly, ma- like, invested maternal one and the the fresh young ingenue, right? Like, it's very much that. Um, but they're charming. They The relationships feel appropriate. They get into hijinks and then have to get out of them. And, and they do so usually in a way that is pretty uh, entertaining, compelling. Um, yeah, there's, there's good stuff there. And you mentioned the, uh, oh, you're my half-brother great (laughs) awesome it would have been handy if you had told me you had a son before and that he like is around the office you know earlier it feels like the kind of thing you should mention to your daughter (laughs) um yeah in in matthias's defense he is a dick yeah, he is a total dick yeah that's true um but i and i and i think that's a really good place to hone in on because Speaking of the performances, they do a really good job of selling the chemistry between those two and how the chemistry pivots for her once she knows they're related and is like, okay, let's shut this down. And there's still a connection there. And uh, she's still a little weirded out by the fact that he's super hot, but it feels much more sibling on her side. And he's still very into her because, you know, he... It's not like, you know, until we get some developments later in the season, it's not like she can be like, okay, you need to stop hitting on me. Uh, yes, when we interact, we have a really great time. We get along really well and, that's, and we have a very easy chemistry and everything. And that's great because you're my brother, because you can't say that, you know, and blow up his life. Um, so, like, I think they they handled what it could be very tricky chemistry better than other shows I've seen do that. Um 
for example, I always think of the Emily Van Camp. Um, oh, what show was that? Where they where they made the 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 siblings not be siblings so they could get them together because the actors had such chemistry. Are you talking about um, Revenge? Was that Revenge? I, I didn't think it was Revenge, but maybe it was. I, I, was it Everwood then? Because those are Emily Van Camp's two shows. Or... I, I probably have that wrong then. I don't. I don't remember. While you're looking that up, I'm going to let you know that the guy who plays Matthias is the guy who dubs brothers and sisters. Of... Brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. and it was Emily Van Camp. Yeah. Okay. I forgot she was on Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. I was just going to blow your mind that the guy who plays Matthias is the guy who dubs Hugh Grant. It's just in general? Yeah, is the guy who dubs Hugh Grant. I can see and that. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, so like, like this, I think, is a much more honed and well-executed, you know, version of something like that or and i would say the same thing with uh andrea and uh her love interest for or you know colette yeah. pray for pray the is an accurate word yeah half of the season as well whereas like again it's a kind of beats you've seen before but it it's executed well um and has some some nuances that i don't always anticipate or expect in those types of storylines so you know I want more of the dog. I want more of Arlette. Um, and I can take less of of Matthias. I appreciate that they don't sand off all his edges, at least in the first season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, again, I did enjoy it. It's just, you know, I want, I wanted more, <laughs> but it was still good. So, like, solid B plus is, like, where I'm at. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think that there's a couple, like I said, there's a standout episode. The fourth episode with has Audrey Flo. Uh, Florent, um, I'm butchering her pronunciation of her last name, so I apologize. Um, I think it's like probably my favorite episode of the run um, because it actually really kind of deals with this actor who's had two kids and is trying to get back, has like serious tax problems because they, she hasn't made her taxes in forever um, and is trying to find work and is like all this sort of stuff while also keeping her kids and caring for her kids. And I think there's, there's a lot of really good tension about how we treat women within the entertainment industry. And I think that that episode does a really good job of getting at a lot of that stuff. Um, but it's really the only episode apart from some of the stuff in episode five um, that I feel is saying something as opposed to being, look, we got famous people to come on our show. Um and do a thing and do some kind of play versions of themselves, which you kind of see like in episode two, which I think is one of those episode two, which deals with two older French actresses, which I think is probably an episode that if I knew who either of them were, <laughs> would have killed. Um, but as a result, not knowing who either of them were kind of was a little flat, but I still think that there's elements of it that feed into this idea of like what do we think about older actors and actresses in particular? And I, so there are a number of good elements in it. It just never sometimes coalesces. And as you said, some of the stuff, the runners of these main agents' stories end up being more compelling than their story, whatever the story client of the week is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, no, I'd agree with a solid B plus for this, at least based on the first season. Yeah. Well, and maybe it grows and, and like gets into some more 
interesting or, or nuanced things beyond there. And uh, goodness knows I watch plenty of <laughs> way less than B plus TV. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, if, if, if things are saying interest you, if you are here for an entertaining and charming, um, like behind the scenes of the, but inside the industry kind of show um, with a bunch of very pretty people, um, but not like everybody's insanely like, like, like they're, they're TV normal. <laughs> yes, except they are for, TV normal. They're TV normal, except for the people that are supposed to be insanely high. Movie actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, uh, then, then check it. And, you know, and also I should say it's, you know, they have subs, but they do not have English dubs. They have Portuguese, Spanish, German. They've got a bunch of dubs, but they do not have an English dub for this yeah. one. Um, as long as that's not a deal break for you, which, you know. Should I mean I don't think it should be, and that is definitely a. This was not originally intended for Netflix issue, um, yeah, and was exported elsewhere in on the continent, but was not intended for Netflix because Netflix would have had it dubbed in eighty different languages so that everyone could watch it. Yeah, um, so I'm surprised that Netflix hasn't just been like. I mean, it must be too expensive to do that. Most Dubbing is incredibly expensive. So yeah. well, fair enough then, because uh, you because you'd think that would make this a super. Uh, exportable to the american audience kind of show but um but anyway so your your mileage may vary um if you're if you're intrigued by the premise or anything any things we're saying or you're just looking for that kind this kind of a show another one of this type of type of show check it Mm -hmm. out let us know what you think uh maybe you know if if you are already a fan and we need to stick through to season two or or dip in for the fill in the blank episode let us know that as well definitely i'm up for watching more of it uh i just will watch pottery first probably and certainly infinity train and so like there's there are other things that will take priority for me unless listeners there's other episodes that you think we should seek out um but that will wrap up our talk about season one of call my agent a few show notes here at the end of the episode you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can like our page on facebook and start up a conversation there you can email us the televerse at gmail.com and we are up with an m4a chapter feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed and apple podcasts and we're also over on stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and of course we are both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thank you so much for a great discussion this week kate Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.